0: Hey, Lisa. Hey, John. You looking good today. It's so nice to see you. Okay, you guys, he's making fun of me
1: because I haven't... I, I did not do makeup. But wait a minute. Because audio doesn't I gotta equal say video.
0: This. You are gorgeous when you have makeup on and you're cute when you don't. And I really like cute.
1: Okay, that's awesome. I can do cute uh, for you on more of a regular basis if I like that. I think that's great. That's
0: awesome. I think you look adorable right now. So anyway, this book is amazing without rival. I've been listening to it in my car. I'm so
1: proud of you. Thanks,
0: babe. And you you, you read really well, too. Thank you. I should have you read books to me at night before we fall asleep. I'd but be more
1: when, than wait, I'd be more than happy to do that since you say that uh my books are your competitors. So I'd be happy to read that to you. We
0: just, can start tonight. When did I say they're my competitors?
1: You said, okay, you said your books are
0: your other lover. Is oh that Is that what I said? <laughs> just, okay. Well Lisa, hey, I'm excited to talk about this. Let's get Because we're talking right.
1: about without rival. We're not talking about rivals. We're talking about without, without
0: rival. Without rival. That's right. So Babe, we're gonna talk about this uh, chapter on deep wells what, what do you want to talk about here?
1: <laughs> okay, so my husband is being very gracious because he has not read it yet. But I haven't gotten to so that I,
0: chapter yet. You haven't
1: been driving enough. Okay, so we're going to be talking about deep wells and wishing wells. And John, um, I opened up with a story, too, a couple of stories you're part of. And this is why we picked this chapter because we knew even if you hadn't read it, <laughs> you lived it. I feel <laughs> like
0: I'm just being uncovered right now. Okay, I'm going gonna,
1: I'm gonna, I'm gonna to bring this back to Charles Spurgeon. Charles okay. Spurgeon said, trials teach us what we are. They dig up the soil and let us see what we are made of.
0: That's excellent.
1: And I had an encounter shortly after you became a youth pastor of a trial that began to show me what I was. It it was the whole issue of my anger issues. And I've seen it as a pattern in my life where I'm like, God, you know what? I, I know I've got some issues going on. I know that I've got some things that are buried that you need to excavate in my life. And so I give him permission in this moment of beautiful worship. And then two weeks later, I'm like, no, I, I, I changed my mind. I didn't mean to use the word excavate. I want you to landscape. I want you to accessorize my life. Stop digging up the yucky things that are in my life. And I believe you lived some of those yucky things with me. Well, I
0: believe I went through the same process too. And it's not very fun when you go through it, Lisa, but it's so rewarding. It's actually where a lot of our writings and teachings have come from. And some of our hardest moments of our life, if you think about it, Jesus is greatest moment, what is his most difficult moment?
1: Here's the situation. There's a lot of people right now, John, they're out there and they're, they're discouraged right now. But the truth is they're actually seeing the answers to some of their prayers. They've asked God to go into their life to create capacity to give them soil that can actually grow things that glorify God. And they kind of expected him to maybe leave some of the weeds for a while, so it kind of looked like maybe something was in place, something was in place. But when God comes through, he usually kind of strips it all down to this this barren place, and he goes after the pestilence. He goes after the things that are going to kill your future seed. And so there's a lot of people right now that I have such a sense. I know you feel the same way that are seeded with some amazing things, right. and yet they don't see anything. Right. They're not seeing anything. It looks like everybody else is prospering. Everybody else is fruitful. Everybody else is growing right now, and they're like, I'm just a pile of dirt. I'm Maybe I'm smoothed out dirt. Maybe there's a little, you know, all the rocks are cleared out, but I'm not seeing any fruit, and there's a lot of people that are really discouraged about
0: that. Well, there's seasons in our life, and there's a season to plant, and before the season to plant, before you plant, I should say, you have to excavate, as you said, get rid of the rocks and the stumps. And I remember when I turned 50, I um, I prayed a prayer that, wow, I just said, God, I, I feel like I'm at halftime. You know, halftime's when you kind of go into the locker room and, you, you know, most games are yeah. won in the second half, not in the first half. And it's really your play in the second half that's more important than so even good. the first. And I said, God, that means the next, these next several years are, most important years of my life. So I said, if there's anything in my life, I said, root it out, cut it out, shake it out, burn it out. And I prayed and, and, that prayer. And, and I've
1: been feeling like I've got to be part of that process for you. You
0: were. And it was the most difficult summer, it was June. Of you know, um, it's our birthday d- month. Yeah, our, my birthday month, June of seven our, years no ago. Wait, did
1: you say my birthday month? It's our birthday our birthday
0: month, month. and um, I prayed that on my fiftieth birthday. That was the diff- most difficult summer I have ever lived through in my entire life, and I remembered. It's almost like the Holy Spirit brought up to me. Do you remember what you asked me to do? And I remember one of my pastor's friends said, John. That's what you do when you're 25, not when you're 50. And we both laughed on the phone, but I was like, yeah, I'm glad I did it, even though this is a very difficult summer. And I'm reaping now seven years later from those prayers that I prayed when I was 50. So it's not fun when you're going through it, Lisa. But No, it isn't.
1: To- and, and you know, we, we have a lot of people right now that they, they, they really are in a position where they they want depth, but they don't want the process. Right, and the truth is, you can't avoid the process. And you know, you and I had we'd had been approached by a casting agency uh, about three years ago. Do you remember this? Oh,
0: I do remember and, this. And
1: they came to us, and they were like, "Hey, we realize that the answer to America is they they need to go back to the church." They need to go back to their foundations. They need to go back to their roots. They need to go back to what's what's spiritual. And and we love you guys. We want to consider you. We want to know if you would, you know, audition to be hosts for a a television show. You know, it's going to be like Dr. Phil, but it's not a reality show. It's going to be a talk show. And you and I both kind of said, you know what? Yay, thank you so much. But we don't have time for this. And and I remember we both were on a conference call. I was in Atlanta. You were, I don't know where you were. You were somewhere else. And we said, we're just not a fit for this. And they are like, no, no, we love your passion. We love what you, you know, what you want to do, what you're saying. And then the issue became, they said, okay, you know, we, we, we want to go to the second level. And they sent us a bunch of questions. Do you remember that? Yeah. And one of the questions was, my 16-year-old daughter is having sex with her 19-year-old boyfriend, You know, what do you think I should do? Should I get her on birth control? Should I get her tested? What should I do? And and then there was other questions about, you know, a wife kind of lusting after another guy and all these different things. And you and I were like, totally, we got this answer. We have got this. And Do do you remember, like, I, I remember what happened when I answered the question about their daughter having sex. I said, hey, hey, the Bible says you don't facilitate fornication, you flee fornication. And they stopped us, remember it? And they said, we don't want the Bible. We want you to be spiritual. And you and I both were like, you can't be any more spiritual than you are scriptural. Right. And really our culture right now, they want us to wish people well, rather than have deep wells.
0: Correct, and if you look at, if you look at the Word of God, you know, all scripture is inspired by God. This is 2 Timothy 3 16, 17, and is useful to teach us what is true and what is right. And it corrects us when we're wrong. And I I just I just really believe, Lisa, the the, the older I'm getting, how important it is to be grounded in the Word of God. If you look at Hebrews 2 1, it says we must pay very close attention to the things we've heard lest we drift away drifting never happens knowingly it happens unknowingly Right? we don't realize it's going on I remember as a kid fishing I, when I was so excited about fishing one time I forgot to anchor the boat and 30 minutes later I looked up and I didn't even recognize the shoreline I didn't realize I was drifting in that 30 minutes and It would be so easy with the bombardment of information that the world is spewing at us constantly. I think I heard something like in the 70s, you've got 250 bits of information, groups of information thrown at you per day. Now it's like 6,000. So with what the world's throwing at us, we've got to go to that place where we have the Word of God speaking into our hearts. Otherwise, our hearts can become corrupted.
1: Yeah. No. Totally. And I think, I think right now there is so much of, uh, so much pressure, for, you know, pastors to just wish people well. Yeah. And just say, hey, yes, no, I, I'm not going to preach you the hard truth. I, I'm not going to do something that might dig some things. I, I don't I don't want to I don't want to annoy something. And you know, earlier this week I had a conversation with our friend Banning, and and uh, of Jesus culture, and he said to me, he said, Lisa, Jesus always made it easy to come. And hard to stay, easy to come, and hard to stay. Well, that's good. He said, he said, come, everybody, come. But then he began to say, you have to, you have to let, you have to, you know, it's going to bring a sword between you and your children, and you and your parents, and you and your. Fr-. I mean, like he went through all of these dynamics. Unless you eat my flesh, drink my blood, and we have made it easy, easy.
0: Well, I think you know, if we if we're not careful as leaders, Lisa, I, this is what I keep hearing in my spirit. They've healed the wounds of my people superficially absolutely and how did they heal them superficially by saying peace peace peace. everything's great god loves you don't worry about a thing when in reality god does love us but there are some very dangerous points right now in our lives that need to be corrected altered or we're going to end up at a destination we don't want to find ourselves
1: i love that you said that because i mean i've been feeling the same scripture in my heart and also about building lives with untempered mortar yeah, building lives with untempered mortar. When the pressures of life come on down on people, everything—everything everything they've invested in, everything that they have given their strength, energy, time, attention to—it's going to it's gonna come crashing down. You know, uh, most Christians right now, they're they're willing to settle with being wished well, right, instead of what they need
0: to do well. And if you look at what Jesus said, this goes right along with what you're saying, Lisa. He he said that the man who hears my words and does them is like the person who digs deep and lays the foundation. The foundation laying is not very attractive. I remember when we lived you know, in Dallas, Texas, a big city, we'd watch them go down and dig those foundations for like nine months, and then all of a sudden, in two months, this massive high-rise would go up. We were like, whoa, they spent nine months on that foundation. They spent two months on getting this thing up 80 stories, and it's because... The foundation is what holds that building up. And when you look at those storms, you just said the untempered mortar, what will happen when the storms of life come? God says, where where, where will your building be? And so the same storm hits a little shack that's built on the rock on a good foundation. Shack stands. Same storm hits a big, gorgeous, beautiful house. It falls, and great is its fall. So the thing is... It's not what we look like in the good times, it's what we look like in the bad times. That's what really matters.
1: Do you think it's fair to say a lot of Christians have settled with being wished well rather than you know, getting what they actually need to become deep wells. I
0: would. Yeah. I would. And that's why I'm so thankful for this message on Without Rival, because I really believe it's gonna cause people's roots to go down deep. Yeah. And, and we know,
1: need to be we need to be wells of living water for other people. Yes. And right now we have a whole generation that really needs us to, to be that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I just want to say that um, I can't encourage you enough to go out and get Without Rival. It's, it's just exploded, and uh, it's just really touching a lot of lives right now. And I've had people that have read this book and have come to me and goes, wow, your wife has really spoken to my heart. So you can get it on Amazon. You can get it at messengerinternational.org. Uh, you can get it anywhere, any bookstore. Just get a hold of Without Rival. We'll see you guys next time.